Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by HRefs. I'm Simone de Rochefort, senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. Uh, we are coming in with, with two fascinating little topics at the top of the show today. I have written in my little document, Simone's bad news and Simone's <laughs> good news. But the thing is, I'm not sure what my bad news is because it's it's Bree's bad news for Simone. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what, 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 what does Simone win slash lose? All right. So I'm going to try to do this uh, correctly here. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to go into Hollywood mode here. Simone. Look at your phone. We've sent you information. Oh, no. <laughs> you need to, we've sent you a picture you need to see. Okay. Is it in? It's in. Oh, I see it. Oh, no. <laughs> no. So tell the listeners what this is and then I will read the note. Oh, Brianna has texted me a photo of what I can only assume is her desk. It looks very neat, except that sitting on the desk are three bags of late night taco truck jelly beans. <laughs> yes. Flavors margarita, churro, salsa, guacamole, oh beef God. taco, and horchata. Yes. Uh, no. So this was very, very, very generously uh, found and uh, sent to us by a friend of the show, good friend of the show now, or enemy, depending on your point of view, uh, Jonathan Miles. And he <laughs> says, hey, Brie, I hope you, Christine, Simone, enjoy these taco quote unquote treats. <laughs> I thought of the rocket pod as soon as I saw this. So I think what is left for us is to decide how we're going to appropriate these three bags of candy. Do we hold it for episode 400? Uh, do we have a Wordle showdown? Do we punish Simone in some way? I, I'm open to all three of those. So uh, <laughs> I think we should discuss it. This is this is big. This is a huge crossroads in our career as podcasters. <laughs> Truly. We have gold. You're sitting on gold, uh, or poison. Or poison. Or poison. And I, poison. I, I, yes. I mean, I mean, honestly, so I said this one when um uh the listener like first alerted us on Twitter that this was a thing, because I feel like we need to do some sort of I feel like I need to reach out to the we need to once again reach out to the Brock Candy Company. Right. Yes. And see if we can talk with them because I wanna like and I'm I'm not even completely being flip here. Like I'm actually being completely serious. I wanna know what sort of twisted people are coming up with these flavors. Like, I'm genuinely interested because it has to be selling moderately well if they brought back the Thanksgiving ones after a year. Um, you know, they, they brought them back for after a second they year. they almost killed us. After <laughs> they almost killed us, they brought them back. And apparently they were in wider release because I saw way more people doing reaction videos and stuff. And I was like, we didn't get that kind of traffic for our 300th episode. But we also didn't have a video, which which is our fault. Yeah. And I then think I, we should have a video for this, by the I, way. I, but, I agree yeah. 100%. And then we have, like, now they're having for Easter. Tacos and Easter, that's a weird combo. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I, I think mm -hmm. of, like, chocolate and, and marshmallows and, uh, you know, like, like cream. Like, you know, that's I, – I don't I don't think I've ever had tacos on Easter. It's but true. uh but but the fact that they're doing these weird flavors, I don't know. If anybody from Brock's is listening, I'm sure you're not. But if anyone out there knows anyone from Brock's, I'm going to do my due diligence to try to find people to reach out to. But I would actually really like to talk to them. And and 
in, in a not completely antagonistic way, I'm like genuinely curious what market research goes into yeah, creating I, I'm interested and marketing in, this. In both the the idea behind these like meme flavors and then also separate conversation, but the science behind the poor person who has to make a beef taco uh flavored jelly bean. Like there there's some some witchcraft going on. These these flavors don't actually sound that bad. We've got margarita. That actually could be very good, I think. Uh, we've got churro. Um, I don't that, know that how. That could be good. Yeah, that could be good. Salsa. Uh, uh, disturbing, but um, okay. Guacamole. Uh, um, no, I mean, that uh, sounds like hell. That no. sounds really bad. Guacamole. Beef taco. Yeah. That sounds really bad. Uh, and I apologize to the uh, Hispanic listeners whose uh, culture I'm about to butcher, uh, horchata. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. Um, that's like a chocolate kind of drink. So that actually would be a good flavor. It's kind oh, of a, okay. yeah, so so it's it's um, it's kind of milkshake-ish, but not really. But it, but it's, it's, it's like a, a, a chocolate kind of flavored drink. So right. that is like churros is uh, probably a good flavor. And margarita. I don't believe it's chocolate. I think it's like rice and cinnamon and milk. Okay, that's what it is. It's cinnamon. Okay, yeah. it, but it, so it tastes chocolatey. I don't know. Churro is going to be good. Margarita, I think, could be good. I actually, this I'm putting this bet down. I think guacamole is going to be good because guacamole, like avocado can be sweet. And I think the creaminess of guacamole could come through in a jelly bean. I, th- I think we have a chance there, but I, I, uh, salsa and beef taco. <sighs> Note to Jim, please clip that statement by Simone so we can play it back on loop as she actually tests <laughs> and tastes it yeah. and use it against her. Um, uh, 100%, please, please. Yes. We really All would right. love to have that. Yep. Shall we move on to our hard news discussion today? I don't know how we're going to top, uh, yeah, Brock's uh, Willy Wonka like having some emotional problems at work. But, uh, Only if Timmy let's... Chalamet actually like does a commercial for Brock's in Willy okay. Wonka. Okay, okay, see that would actually be a good tie-in. See, yeah. see, yes. talk to those Brock's people because if you wanted to do oh some God. ridiculously crazy flavors, if you remember the books, I don't know. If either of you have read the books, but no. I, I mean, I was an obsessive fan of the original um, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory book and Willy Wonka, like they had some weird, some weird ass flavors of food stuff, like in the initial, like e- even in the Violet Beauregard scene, like she's like eating gum that tastes like tomato soup and she's like having a full course dinner. That's completely the sort yep. of stuff that the Brock's people should do as a tie-in, and that way we get like we get a uh, uh, Twink Wonka uh, <laughs> it, like promo. Twonka, honestly, Twonka, Twonka, don't Twonka. Let's use the correct name. Sorry, sorry. Oh, apologies, <laughs> Twonka. Oh God! All right. <laughs> Our, for, it's six o'clock in the morning, you guys. I, I'm. I. You should be impressed that I'm like. I am this impressed. Rich. At some point, Christina, I wonder this every week. It, your sleep schedule makes no sense to me because I no see. Up at two yep. in the morning tweeting, uh-huh. and then I see what before me on East Coast time uh-huh. when I get up at six a.m. So I, as best as I can tell, you sleep three hours and then wake <laughs> up and tweet and then sleep Basically. three hours. Yeah, that's my Basically. guess. Basically, yeah. Okay. Our our first story today is a <laughs> long reflection piece from The Verge called Inside Pornhub. Uh, so this is a piece from an ex porn cub porn cub. Porn Porn hub customer service rep, big air quotes around the, yeah, (laughs) around the words customer service rep, 
uh, from a time when uh, at these companies, customer service included not just, you know, tweeting from the various tube sites brands, but also attempting to moderate the Wild West of user submitted content. Uh, the author, Nathan Munn, worked at Manwin, which is now MindGeek, the parent company of various tube sites like Pornhub, like Tube 8, Keys Movies, and Spankwire, uh, in the early 2010s. So he was in this combo role of social media manager, tweeting like dirty jokes uh, for those uh, those accounts. Uh, but he was also meant to investigate f- videos that were flagged to him as against the site's guidelines and remove them. Uh, he said, like, he was young at the time. He says in the piece that he didn't actually read the the site's guidelines, but the, he was basically told, if there's anything illegal, any violence, anything like that, remove it. And then he would also get emails from people who would say, like, hey, my I was drunk when I uploaded this, and I want it to go away. Or Jesus. my ex-boyfriend uploaded this video of me, and I want it to go away. And he would attempt to to remove those things. Um, but as many moderators of, of various sites with user submitted content have spoken out about in the last few years, this was kind of a losing battle because this content could be downloaded and anyone could re-upload it. Um, and he was also putting himself through seeing a lot of content that was disturbing because his bosses wanted him to review it before simply mass taking it down because he had previously gotten in trouble for removing a very popular video um the uh there's a quote uh now in the in the piece at the towards the end of the piece uh speaking from other moderators at MindGeek, uh, which did eventually get a full content moderation team saying that their work exists in a constant gray area because it's impossible to tell if a performer is of legal age uh, if they have had a few drinks, if they were pressured before the camera started rolling and the scene began. Uh, so Nathan left, I think, in around 2013, uh, around before or around the time that Manwin became MindGeek and has tracked how since then uh, the sites have gone through a few uh, growth spasms in terms of their their legal existence. Uh, So in 2019, a Pornhub content partner was charged with sex trafficking. Uh, And in 2020, Canadian authorities began looking at Pornhub as a host of underage content. And Visa and MasterCard suspended all payments through uh, those partner sites. Uh, At that time, Pornhub removed the ability for unverified users to post content. Um, But they are still in this sort of uh, what Nathan describes as a gray area in the piece where they grew to a point of complete uh, mainstreamification. That's not a word. I just made it up. They, they, they grew to a size where speaking about them and joking about them became mainstream while Mm -hmm. having essentially no content moderation in place to protect people who should not have had videos of them posted online. um, And now are massive. That is my summary of the piece. <sighs> Brianna, you brought this to us because you have a lot of feelings about it. Why don't you start uh, working through some of those? 
I I do. Um, you know, in uh God, it was a long time ago now, twenty fifteen when uh you know I was kind of neck deep in Gamergate, uh I started getting invited to meetings at Harvard uh for people that were specifically working on an issue I had not really heard about before, uh, which is non-consensual uh, pornographic imagery, what we colloquially, colloquially call uh, revenge porn now. Um, it's a really, really critical uh, part of law. So as I'm, as I'm reading this story, I cannot help but really be feel hit in the face by the fact that, you know, this is a complete failure of us to do anything about, uh, you know, non-consensual sexual imagery in the eight years since. Um, you know, it's not an exaggeration to say this has cost uh, lives. You know, you have uh, underage girls that have had uh, ex-boyfriends upload things exactly like in this piece. And, you know, as, as this, uh, even in the case of people doing this uh, legally, you know, um, you have noted in this piece that really puts uh, regulators in a, um, a really difficult environment, right? Because you're trapped between you know people watching uh, pornography online for free and these really abusive and exploitative uh, workplace conditions. Even in the case where it's free, so what uh, where there's consent, rather. So what do you expect, like uh, lawmakers, to stand up for uh, you know uh, adult film workers? Um, that's just not going to, there's not a constituency there, right? There's more when and kind of looking the other way. So um, I really saw this piece as a, a really dark look at how we cannot count on these large uh, companies to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, the incentive structure, it really leaves us screwed because uh, they want the most content, the most eyeballs, and they're willing to look the other way. But at the same time, there's not much uh, incentive for regulators to step in. Uh, I think at the very least, what we can do is start looking at passing some of these very common sense uh, uh, non-consensual imagery uh, laws that legal experts have uh, uh, proposed. Marianne Frank's a good friend of mine. She's a leader in this field. You know, what she wants is dead reasonable. Uh, she doesn't phrase it as like a censorship issue. She believes it's a privacy issue. She thinks that you should be able to go to Google and say, look, I own this image. It belongs to me. This is a privacy image. I need you to take this down. And once expanded jurisprudence to basically give victims the right to do that, which is uh, utterly common sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've been on record um, and, and I, I still feel this way. I'm against um, uh, legislation that that weakens or gets rid of Section 230. But I feel mm -hmm. like when you look at the way that like the DMCA um, uh, works, for instance, where there is a takedown process for copyrighted material, um, I, I feel like it, it should be very easy, you know, and those are things that that all big services have to comply with. Right. And and, and we've seen that can can actually be, uh, you know, um, that can be weaponized by by people who are acting in bad faith, as any sort of policy can be, um, and 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 we've seen people you know get get hit by um, you know people making false takedown claims and things like that. But there is a very clear process in what companies have to do if they don't want to to be caught up in in that sort of you know um, like the, the the legislative not the legislative like I guess like the the legal process um, with uh, with the DMCA stuff. And so I, I agree with you. I feel like that would be a um, uh, there, it would make sense to me for there to be some sort of a denim for things uh, relating to 
you know, like Im- like personal imagery. And, and I, I would I would want to, it to be limited to, to things in like a, in, in a sexualized nature, just because I think that if you start to, to try to expand it to saying, oh, well, there's a photo of me that I don't like. Um, I'm going to potentially be able to take down an entire site. I feel like that can just be mm-hmm. like that. That becomes a fair use thing. I'm not. I'm not comfortable with that. Just, just to to add to that, your fears are. Uh, the, the, fortunately, what Miriam Franks and others are working on does have that specific language uh, built into it, which is uh, very good news. I think. Yeah, yeah, because we've seen already how Twitter, you know, with some of their policy changes, has had a negative reaction and and it has hurt people. The fact that you know you can report things for saying, oh, there's content that I that I don't like, but but I feel like there's a difference. There's a line though between that and saying, okay, this is sensitive, highly personal, sexualized material. Um, it, whether the person is overage or underage, it, it shouldn't matter. If they're underage, it's illegal anyway. Um, where where there should be like a, a process where these services have to take it down. Yeah, 100%. You know, he also goes into in this piece talking about deep fakes and how that affected him. And, you know, uh, there is a process out there where you'll have women that are sometimes not even public figures that will be the victim of this. And, you know, people will run deep fakes on them in an effort to embarrass them and destroy them uh, professionally, right? Uh, It kind of doesn't matter what the truth is that there's a video out there, even if it's not entirely believable with your face on it, right? You're still in embarrassed it still affects you so um i i um just to kind of shift gears on this topic though i found this to be one of the most fascinating parts of this piece it's not the regulatory uh, aspect of it um verge and vox media uh have founded what i think is a very very uh, smart journalistic policy so what they've uh and obviously you two are more in a position to explain this than i am but the <laughs> long and short of it is uh companies will often come to uh, people writing stories and say, uh, basically comment off the record. And Vox, uh, and specifically The Verge, uh, have put uh, forward policies saying, uh, no, if you want to have something in our story, we need someone at the company to go on record with their name. What I found so fascinating about this piece is they had a, what was it, 14, uh, a 14 email it was, it was long a 20 exchange, email exchange. 20 email exchange. Yeah. Go ahead, Christina. This yeah, is your well, area. Yeah, yeah. basically... <laughs> They, there was a person who, who you know, went under the name Ian, was emailing from their personal Gmail account, but wouldn't give a name, wouldn't give an, a, a, you know, an official kind of position. And um, in the past, the reason that they wanted to verify this is that, is that Pornhub has admitted in the past of using fake names of their PR people, uh, ostensibly to protect them from harassment, um, which, you know, that sounds reasonable at first until you realize that literally like when you are a public relations or comms person for a big company, your job is unfortunately like your name is out there, right? Like that, that's yeah. what it is. Like you have to, you have to attach your name to a statement. Like, like you signed up for that job. If you don't, if you're not comfortable with that, and I'm not saying that har- anyone being harassed is an okay thing. I'm not, but I know a lot of PR people and a, um, it's not that common. Uh, B, um, I, I've never heard of this where like they encourage their employees to give fake names to the press. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> um, Is it though? Yeah. I, yeah, no, I it's, it's utterly it's bizarre. bizarre. Like I've never, I've never, I've never heard anything like it. Like, look, it is very common where companies will claim off the record and then they don't get a two-way confirmation and then they get mad when you publish the exchange. Um, on background is more common where they will say, don't attribute this to uh, me, but but say a spokesperson for. 
Um, uh, and, and various companies can have different positions on news outlets can have positions on how they want to treat that. Uh, the, the verge changed their policy recently to be a little more stringent. I'm not actually hundred percent sure if that is the case in, in all scenarios or if it's something that they just kind of strive for. I, I, I don't work there. I don't know, but I know that they've, they've worked to do more of that. That's not uncommon. What is uncommon though, is to have a back and forth with a representative who refuses to give their name and, and refuses to even, I think even further, they're like, oh, well, we won't. We'll consider um, giving you our name and whatnot if we can have proof of your journalistic integrity. Like, <laughs> like at that point, to me, I'm just like, okay, this is a multi-billion-dollar company where you're interfacing with someone through a personal Gmail account, and you don't like, like this is just some amateur hour stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's moving the goalposts. It's it's BS. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll give you a, the full name of the employee who does public relations for our billion dollar company in exchange for proof of quote unquote unbiased journalism, which is just <sighs> one of those things where it's like, well, what what is you you can't go down that road because like no, what you is can't. Proof? No, no, exactly. And it's also what is unbiased. It's like you know yeah. when you, you make a thing like that, it's like it's like so so you're not beating your wife. I mean that's literally what what it's asking for, right? Like it's it, you're asking somebody to. It's just it's completely bad faith. So it's it, it's pretty. Um, ridiculous. I mean, the the sad thing is, the thing that really had the biggest impact on them to make any sort of changes was obviously Visa and Mastercard. Um, uh, you know, banning. Uh, I, I think I think it's back now, but I'm not sure. But but banning. You know, uh, the usage yeah. on on at least the Pornhub platform. Not many of the studios that Pornhub also owns, um, and that many other sites that they own. But something like this is as fascinating and as detrimental as a story like this should be. It's not like this is going to have any impact on their business. Mm-hmm. Like it will have zero impact yeah. because yeah. because it's Pornhub, right? Like it is the YouTube of porn. Like they've created, the, um, you know, they they've they've owned the industry. Like they it, it it is a massive player in that space. But it's disappointing to me that a company that is that big and is it has taken what has been such a disparate and are always like massive part of the internet since the internet since the World Wide Web, you know, was created. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this is probably the most centralized company, you know, at it that we've ever seen, that they they seem to care so little and that even early on, which where you can admit they have growing pains and whatnot, when you just see kind of the cavalier attitude, it's uh it's distressing. Yeah, it, it's frustrating because obviously Pornhub is such a bastion of free content. And we see and and a host of a lot of illegal content. And then we see repercussions coming on like individual porn performers who work on platforms that are too afraid to host their content and then take it down because they're afraid of exactly the thing that Pornhub is doing, which is posting like or hosting rather videos of people who are underage or people who were too drunk to consent, etc. Um, and you have laws like FOSTA-SESTA getting passed that mm-hmm. platforms react to by just outright, you know, scraping all adult content from their sites. Um, you have credit card companies like threatening to to pull payment options from from platforms, which are also not perfect, like OnlyFans, which, you know, have the similar problems to Pornhub of uh, just not being able to regulate the content that's there, but is also one of the only bastions for independent adult performers to post and to like manage their own careers and it's very frustrating and then i think a lot of the reactions that we see legislatively 
go towards making the internet a more dangerous place to exist for people who are marginalized, including right. porn performers. Um, right, right, right. Like with the I think Earn It Act and FOSTA SESTA from 2018. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think the problem is, is that a lot of times the response is not to um, eliminate, you know, the the harm and make things safer and, and, and protect those groups, but it, it is to start to kind of criminalize, um, you know, it, it, it's it's the puritanical BS that that frankly is is very unique to the United States, um, where where anything you know that that has any sort of sexualized content, that the uh, the solution is to just get rid of all of it rather than addressing the problem, which in this case you know, has very little to do with, with, with sex at all. It's her, it's about harassment. It's about hurting people. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, that, that's what it's about. It, it's not about it's, it, you know, it's called revenge porn for a reason. So to me, like these, these are, these are, these are, you know, violent kind of assaulting, you know, acts. Um, this is abuse. It's not, it has nothing to do with, 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 with sex at all. Um, other, you know, than the fact that the, the content in this case, happens to maybe, you know, portray that. Although as, as Brie pointed out, you could have deep fake scenarios too, where, you know, the content isn't even real. So, um, or, or at least the, the, you know, the, the head on the, you know, the, the person that, that appears that, you know, you think is in it, it isn't in it. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I feel like that, that so much of the legislation so far has really just taken the approach of, okay, we just want to, um, outlaw all of this, which is really just going to push things underground. It's not going to solve the problem at, at, at play. And and further hurt and and um, you know um, the marginalized groups as you mentioned. Yeah, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Hrefs. Are you tired of seeing your competitors outranking you in search results? Maybe you are, and you've wondered if there's an easier way to get more Google traffic. One option is to get an agency on an ongoing retainer, but that can be so pricey. Your solution is Hrefs Webmaster Tools, and it's free. The best part is this isn't a 14-day free trial offer. It's just free, and it's a super powerful tool that'll do a full website audit for you and keep working for you. It'll scan your site and prioritize precisely what you need to improve your search results so that you can see which keywords your pages are ranking for. Understand how Google sees your content and discover how making changes can blow up your traffic, which could do a lot for your business. It's time you started getting Google to work for your business. Go to hrefs.com slash webmaster dash tools to get the free tool now or click the link in the show notes. That's hrefs.com slash webmaster dash tools. A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash webmaster dash tools. Our thanks to Hrefs for their support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. Wow, that's my 930 in the morning voice. Yeah, I feel like, like you could have put your, your back into them more. You could have given it more soul, Simone. Come wow. on. <laughs> Even I could sing with more passion right now. By the way, sad. your voice sounds so much better this week. Thank you. Thank you. I am mainlining cough drops as I'm Heck doing yeah. this. <laughs> On the hot water and honey life. Oh, we've we got go. a bonkers story next. The BBC has published an investigation into a whole <laughs> fake company. I'm, I'm, you know, spoiling the lead a little bit there. Uh, this company is called Madbird. It was, is slash was a 
human-centered digital design agency born in London, running worldwide. And in the middle of, you know, 2020, it started hiring people, hiring people all over the world. It hired 50 people. They were in sales. They were in design. They all worked from home because it was the pandemic. Some had lost their earlier jobs and were happy to get a new job. Some had left good jobs to work at this company that seemed to be growing. It was hiring staff in in countries all over the world. And theoretically, those people would be able to apply for a UK visa and be sponsored by the company after six months from working there. Uh, So people were working happily away. But oddly enough, they were not yet being paid because their contracts in sales were commission only, again, for the first six months. So if they sold something during the first six months, they would be paid for that. Um, but they would not be earning a salary until their their contract sort of aged into it. Um, and at that point, they would be paid a salary of £35,000 or just over $47,000. Uh, the people who were in the sales department assumed that surely the managers, who are also surely real people, were getting salaries like a normal company. And anyway the six months would be up soon. Surely they would they would start getting salaries. And anyway, sure, some of the contracts were apparently very close to being signed. Sales were being made. Deals were being done. They would be getting percentages of commissions for that, right? Well, eventually two employees figured out uh, via, you know, trying to find where their freaking office was theoretically supposed to be since they were all working from home in a pandemic, that nothing about this was true. That... that <laughs> Every some of the employees, uh, managers, in fact, were fake people who had, you know, had LinkedIn profiles and fake job histories created for them, but were, in fact, like beehive makers from Prague who had had their photos stolen. Um, and that one of the only people was real people was the director of the company who was going by the name Ali Ayad, uh, who is a, a London citizen who previously th- supposedly had worked at Nike and was an influencer and a model and all of these things and very successful. Uh, But everything else was just fake. So the two employees to figure this all out sent a company-wide email saying, hey, nothing about this is real. Um, And over the course of a few days, everything sort of crumbled and, and the director disappeared and only one person got paid a beautiful total of 30 pounds oh my god it, this is nuts and this is the only the a story that could only happen a in this incredibly like th- this age of hot digital startups and b mm-hmm. a time when everyone is or a lot of people are trapped <laughs> working from home oh what do y'all think about this christina uh, it's, I mean, I, I think, I think the BBC called it job fishing. Is that what they called it? Mm-hmm. Job fished. I love that. Um, no, I mean, this is really sad. You've, we've seen these sorts of scams happen, uh, for, for years. There've been lots of these sorts of things, but it's, it's, I think that the, the timing now and, and with remote work becoming, um, more and more accept, um, acceptable and, and commonplace, we're probably unfortunately going to see more of this because it will become, more normalized for people to say, oh, yeah, I will just go onto a Zoom call and, and this will be how I get onboarded and how I do things. But there are, um, it, whereas in the past, it might be one of those things that would like raise like 
your scam sense a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there'd be a lot of red flags. Like a lot of the red flags that used to exist are unfortunately going to go away. But I mean, it's it's utterly fascinating. Um, the fact that uh, kudos to, to the BBC for spending a year investigating this. Um, but just, uh, I mean, it, it's just, it's really sad to me, but it's also just, it's fascinating just the the trouble people go through. And it's like, it's like for, for what end, you know, you're, you're trying That's to figure what out like I what's- I wonder too. Because nobody, yeah, like, nobody got paid. Right. I and and nobody theoretically was paying the person who kind of set the whole thing up, right? So right, what? Yeah, <laughs> notoriety. Well, I I don't know because because usually what happens with these scams will be they will ask you to prepay for certain expenses. They'll be like, oh, we're going to send you some furniture and we're going to send you you know some setup stuff for your home office and whatnot. But we need you to cover the costs first. Go through this website, fill it out. You cover the costs and then just uh, you know set up an expense account and, and and we'll send it back to you. And and that should always be a red flag because. Yeah. Um, uh, but but a lot of people they want a job so badly they they think it's a good thing they'll go they'll go through with it. But in this case, I don't think that was what happened. So yeah, somebody had to spend a lot of time putting this together, and I'm trying to kind of like figure out like what was the goal in this. It's just it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my own husband, uh, fell for something very similar to this. Um, he got an email from his CEO's, uh, um, Gmail account, uh, telling him that, uh, the company was having a uh, basically a thing. They wanted to celebrate the uh, the administration people, administrative people there, basically the secretaries, and ask him to go out and get uh, some cash gift cards for for work. And Frank mm-hmm. was like, "Oh wow, my CEO is asking me to go do this," and uh, raced off to get these with cash. And yet, fortunately, he was like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> Before he actually gave them the uh, the codes, and we found ourselves. With like you know, literally two thousand dollars of uh, of gift cards sitting around, but you know, it's it's unfortunately in a like work from home environment, uh, these kind of scams are, are more and more possible. I don't know if y'all saw the uh, the 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 Netflix show, the Tinder Swindler. Have y'all watched yes. that yet? Oh my god, it's so yeah. good! It is so good. It's it's not similar, but it is also like you getting basically tricked through, you know, through text messages and uh, just the same kind of like our, our theoretical systems of trust and it, it basically, you know, our, our electronic systems being used to facilitate fraud. So it's, it's very, very suspicious here. So I think uh, like just telling our listeners the takeaway, I think, you know, be skeptical, you know, be immensely skeptical, you know, look into where people work, like look into their backgrounds, you know, like if you're doing work for someone, like it's not unreasonable to ask for proof. So just have your guard up. It's the best advice I can give. You know what it reminded me of as I was reading through is uh, those Facebook groups where uh, like teenagers will role play office workers. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, now that I'm thinking back uh, on the piece, which I read last night, so new details are surfacing for me listeners. (laughs) It did mention that part of it seemed to be for Ali Ayad, who was running the company, that he enjoyed being a boss and like had... (laughs) you know, would quote Steve Jobs and quote Elon Musk and like enjoyed being in those meetings and like 
talking to workers and sort of doing that sort of it that little that involved like people management aspect of it so i almost i maybe the maybe the ego trip and the sort of enjoyment of like role playing this boss scenario is the is the appeal and the point of the scam still a lot of work to go through though you yeah, know what totally. I'm realizing though? Yeah. We should sit down and D and D is exploding on Twitch. Oh my as god! Like the Gen Z kids are realizing it's fun to role play and pretend. So we should do this. We should come up with like a new D and D or GURPS module, but for the boss. It, it's can, just like, the pick, office, right? It's just right. The office pick, official licensed. You could do <laughs> it. Like, you could be the office. You could be the evil uh, secretary. You could be the disillusioned engineer. <laughs> Yeah, no, that would be fun. Oh you know what this also oh reminds God. me of a little bit? Did you guys, did either of you listen to Chameleon, the the, the Hollywood con, squeen, con queen scam no. podcast? No, what okay, is this? Okay, so, so it's, it was great. It came out in, in 2020 and it's basically, it was this very weird thing where there was this uh, person who pretended to be this woman who was like a highly connected Hollywood um, uh, person who like had, you know, claimed to be connected to um, basically people took jobs, flew places, things were set up, like went to foreign countries to, um, like work on various movie things, movie deals. And then it, it, this person like was completely made up and factitious mm-hmm. and like even went as far as like impersonate actual, um, like female producers and, and players oh, in Hollywood no. And, 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 you know, people, it, and it affected a number of people, including, you know, people who like worked, who were trying to get into like doing, um, uh, I guess like a, like, like stunt training work and, and that sort of thing. And, um, it, and anyway, it was, it was really, really interesting, but the whole story, I don't want to give it away because they, the, the podcast goes into the entire kind of like who is behind all of this and, and they never really try to kind of figure out like what the raison Detra was, and it's just it's utterly fascinating. I will have a link in the show notes, but it's called a uh, Chameleon and uh, the Hollywood, um, um, you know, um, uh, scam um, queen. Uh, it, it's just fascinating. It made me think of that. That sounds great. Uh, I'm definitely gonna look that up. Thank you, Christina. No problem. Well, speaking of of fake things, let's move into <laughs> today's dessert. Uh, we've got a great follow up with a rocket regular. That is, of course, the rapper entrepreneur Garul, <laughs> a notorious backer of Firefest, uh, who is now all in on. Let me hear you say it. NFT. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who could have seen this coming? But apparently... It is not my fault. People think it's going well. So Ja Rule is a like, supporter of this NFT uh, group called Club Cards. They're basically is an organization that makes NFT trading cards of characters from other NFT projects. So they partner with them and create these trading cards. Uh, members can also apparently register for giveaways, including physical merchandise and uh, all expenses paid trips to New York City to see Ja Rule perform, of which a person actually did win and did it. And it went well. well. <laughs> um, apparently, uh, this Club Cars is gearing up to release their own line of characters called Rascals um, to, quote unquote, Unite a new era of digital hype beasts by growing the Rascals brand together as a community. Jog Rule says there is so much utility with this project. 
it's insane. Um, which marks yet another day in my life of not understanding what is going on here. However, <laughs> is Ja Rule possibly involved in another scam? Eh, maybe. Is it apparently going really well and the people who like NFTs are are in it and and uh invested? Yeah. It's happening. I mean I mean, look, this can only end poorly. Like no matter what you think of NFTs or or what you're getting any of that, even if you're really bullish on it, I'm sorry, this can only end poorly. But uh so and I genuinely don't want anyone to lose their money, but this is also very funny to watch. And I I now and I, I'm I bet this has already been done, but I, I would almost be willing to mint this myself and make it my Twitter avatar of the Notes app apology where Ja Rule says, we are working right now on getting everyone off the island safe. That is my immediate <laughs> concern. I will make a statement soon. I'm heartbroken at this moment. My partners and I wanted this to be an amazing event, and it was not a scam, as everyone <laughs> is reporting. I don't know how everything went so left, but I'm working to make it right by making sure everyone is refunded. I truly apologize, as this is not my fault but i'm taking responsibility i'm deeply sorry to everyone who was inconvenienced by this like i want that to be my twitter avatar i think i truly apologize as this is not my fault is yes i thank you for reminding me it's so good it's it's honestly honestly the whole statement is like truly this is not my fault but i'm taking responsibility (laughs) the whole thing is just so good so honestly like I know that the, this isn't really part of the trading card things, but I think that they, I feel like they need like a jaw trading card, like with the phone out with like the notes app open with like this on it. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know what the point is. Like if job rule is involved and it's successful and people aren't aware that this is a scam, what's the point where it seems like a scam to NFT people? Like I want to do like scam coin and then, and then like literally it's the picture on it, like to put the Ferrari 488 Pista that I would buy with it and then make the description. I will not pay you back. This is total fraud. I have no intention of anything. Like, could you make that work? I think that you, you could because, you know, they they love irony. Uh, there's totally. a fin- there's a fantastic video that came out. Have any of you watched it by Foldable Human? It's called Line Go Up. Yes, yes. that was great. <gasps> that was so good. Oh my god, I watched this. I've watched it three times now. It's so good. We'll link to this in the show notes. You should one hundred percent go watch this because it is a brutal, absolutely accurate like summation of everything wrong with like cryptocurrency and NFTs and DAOs specifically. It's it's just amazing. And what gets me is it two hours you would think he's padding it out at some no. point. He's not. Every sentence of it is important and relevant. And, you know, it's it's good. And he gets into, like, the argument uh, basically against NFTs in general, talking about how, uh, you know, basically how they're minted with gas fees, how overall people lose tons of money in it, and really talking about how you have people that are in this really precarious lower middle class situation where they have enough uh, disposable income to uh, basically bet on things, yet at the same time, uh, they feel that desperation to somehow get ahead and they want uh, uh, security and financial uh, freedom at the same time. So they're they're basically yeah. willing to do anything, even well, invest I mean, in something ha- clearly poisonous. Go ahead. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, this is what happens when you uh, are completely priced out of ever owning property. 
if you yeah. live in a city. I mean, like I I make a lot of money um, a year compared to most people. Um, there are certainly plenty of people who make more than me, but I, you know, my, I, I, I'm, I, I do well. I cannot buy a house. Like I, I, because it, unless I were to move someplace that would be, you know, completely, um, uh, far away where I, where I wouldn't want to be like, because it would cost me a minimum of 1.2 million to get something in Seattle. And even then that wouldn't be that much better than my apartment. And then my mortgage would still be ridiculous. Like it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's just, it, you know, could, could I find something that was smaller that I could get into? Yeah, I guess I could, but at what point? Right. So I totally understand where people who don't have my privilege are like, yeah, I have some disposable income, but I can't even conceive of the idea of being a homeowner. And I can't, you know, I don't have other opportunities to do those things. And these things are disappearing. So if this is looking like it's an easy way to create generational wealth, potentially, you know, YOLO, like I, I totally get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, after that video, I, I've been planning to just for a while, I completely cashed out my Bitcoin and my coin, uh, Coinbase account. And, you know, I'm not, uh, I made pretty good money, uh, you know, mining with the 3090. You very generously helped me get Christina. Uh, but I just, I feel like it really cemented to me, like, this isn't just a bad idea. It's something that is, it's really, it's preying on a generation of younger people because like if you're buying something at $4 today and you're, it becomes something that's real that you have to participate in. Well, the generation coming up now, they'll have to buy in at $4,000, right? Right. So it's like functionally locking the generation underneath you into perpetual poverty. Um, You know, you see this, I I think your point is so well said about, um, you know, the property, uh, you know, the housing uh, situation. There was a, a stat that came out this week that absolutely shocked me talking about the level of auto debt right now. Mm. I like to collect classic cars, but if you look at the level of automotive debt that people are holding, even over the last five years, it hasn't gone up, you know, 100, 200, 300%. It's up like 400% because the cost of all these cars are so inflated at this point, even Mm -hmm. before the uh, chip circuit crash. Right. um, uh, And the cost of new cars is getting wildly more expensive. I realize like the money is less worth less today because of inflation. But when I was a teenager in the late 90s, you could go buy a Honda Accord for $20,000. You could get a Honda Civic for $15,000. Yeah, the cost of all these things is like even uh, assuming inflation, the cost of all those goods is just wildly, wildly, wildly more expensive than it used to be. It's because all these assets become basically financialized, right? Where you mm-hmm, can exploit mm-hmm. people over it. So it's a it's an effed situation. And you know, Ja Rule getting in on the scam, of course he is, and it's yeah. very sad. I will say uh, about the the line go up documentary, the two hour mark. I thought, you know, I'll have to take breaks. I couldn't. Nope. I was I watched the no. whole thing. I could yep. not he, stop. He, <laughs> I was gonna say it, it's incredibly incredibly well done. Like you can tell he put so much into researching and writing, and he was even saying like every time he thought he was done, more stuff would happen. And yeah, um, but it was it was really well paced, really well written. There's a really a particularly good section if you are interested in um, NFT gaming. There's a great section in there oh. on Axie Infinity and oh. just how that uh, that game, how that game's economy just completely broke 
mm-hmm. because of the falling value of its assets. Um, it's just, it's very good. It's a very good video. I can't recommend it enough. Um, hey, let's talk about what we're up to this week. <laughs> Brianna, what about you? Oh my God. I have two boards to answer to right now. So <laughs> I am, I'm so behind on all of it. I'm behind on literally everything. Um, so yeah, uh, basically, um, yeah, DICE is happening this week and the midterms are heating up. So I'm trying to get plans in place for all of that at the same time. So Oof. I'm very busy. Uh, also, we're about to have a big event today that we can't tell you about yet because we're under embargo here at Rocket. But let me just say, you're going to want to tune in next week. It's going to be a big episode. Yay. It's going to be exciting. So, Yes. And Christina, what are you up to? Uh, yeah, same. I'm very excited about the thing that we can't talk about, but is very exciting. So everyone, like uh, next week's episode is going to be great. Um, I've got a bunch of work stuff going on, and um, so I'm 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 busy. I've got just a, a bunch of work things going on, and um, nothing super interesting that I that I can talk about. But but just lots of meetings and stuff. So that's what I'm up to. Um, but uh, yeah, and I here's my good news. Vox Media has finally sent me a 2021 Ah! new MacBook Pro with a chip. Uh, So yesterday, I spent yesterday like uploading a lot of stuff to Dropbox uh, off my old MacBook. Today will be my first full day doing a a day's work with my new MacBook, which I love. I, I cannot tell you how nice it feels. Like it's definitely very heavy. But looking at how the lid fits so flush against the base of the laptop, incredible. The trackpad is huge and wonderful. The keyboard feels amazing. Uh, And I, looking at all of the ports that it has, I was shrieking like a little girl. The HDMI (laughs) port, beautiful. I know. It's so nice. SD card, beautiful. USB, I love it. And I really, really, really love the fabric uh, charging cable. One thing I was wondering, um, because obviously the cord extender doesn't come in the box. Can I use my old cord extender from my... Yes. Okay, dope. I'm in good company then. Yes. Yeah, no, no, that's completely fine. That's completely fine. Also, uh, another thing you can do, some people have reported issues with other um, uh, USB-C bricks. I haven't had any of these problems, but you can use that fabric cable like with the MagSafe if you had like another USB-C charger mm-hmm. laying around someplace that that you wanted rather than like the, the MacBook power brick, just throwing that out there. Awesome. Isn't it the battery life of it? I mean, isn't it amazing? Like you can just use it and use it and use it yes. and use it. It feels like it never dies. Uh, though I'd be interested because you have the larger version than I, I do. How has your experience been like with that? Well, I spent I haven't spent much time like actually working on the machine yet because I was uploading all the stuff off the old machine. I mostly just like touched it and looked at it all over. Um, Uh. So next week I will have I'll keep an eye on the battery life uh, and I will have opinions for you about the actual workings of the machine next week. I will say the screen is beautiful. The yes. display is so nice. Okay, enough on this. I got to go to work. Yay! Yes. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Rocket. If you liked it, I hope you'll leave a review. And remember to tune in next week because we have a very exciting episode for you. Uh, thanks so much for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.